Hello to all my friends and welcome to the first episode of Counter Melody for the new year. I'd like to start off by welcoming my new supporter, Gianni, and also to thank my dear friend Randall for increasing his monthly support level. For those of you who wish to also join in supporting the podcast, I invite you most heartily and humbly to visit patreon.com slash countermelody, where you too, like Randall and Johnny, can make your pledge of support, and you will gain access to 51 bonus episodes plus a lot of exciting bonus material that I have planned for the upcoming year. To ring in the new year, I thought I would present you with one of my favorite baritones, whom many of you apparently have not yet heard of. But that's all about to change, and so are your lives, because you are going to hear something pretty amazing. In many ways, I think this baritone, born on January 1st, so happy birthday to him who is soon to be unmasked, represents some kind of ideal. To reinforce that contention, I bring you his performance of the eternal favorite Paolo Tosti's song, Ideale. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode.
Before I do the reveal and tell you exactly who it is that you have just heard, I'd like to offer you an additional example of his vocal and interpretive prowess with the conclusion of the prologue from Pagliacci. <laughs> not waste another moment in the reveal. This, my friends, is the great Polish baritone Andrzej Jolski, born New Year's Day 1922 in the city of Lwów, which in fact is in Ukraine and is known in that language as Lviv. As we know from the news these days, these borders have been very malleable, flexible, permeable, over the past few centuries. And at the time that Jolski was born, Lwów was in Poland, and he always considered his heritage to be Polish. While he did sing in the West, including in Berlin, Edinburgh, Salzburg, Amsterdam, Vienna, and Canada and the U.S., his career was always centered in Poland where he was a leading baritone of the opera in Warsaw for many, many years. Just to cover the span of his life, I will tell you that he died on the 26th of February in the year 2000. He had gone to Krakow to sing a concert and died quite suddenly in the days leading up to that concert. He fits very comfortably into the group of singers that I included in last week's episode, Singers in Twilight, for he sang really up until the day that he died at the age of 78. Before I give you a full biography of this singer, let me just comment that his active singing career lasted nearly 60 years. And to begin the episode proper, I'd like to offer you examples of his singing from either end of that long and incredibly distinguished career. First, from the year 1947, here is his recording of Besame Mucho by the Mexican composer Consuelo Velázquez, translated into Polish 
as Milos, as with a number of other recordings that Tchaikovsky made during this period of light material. He's here recording under the pseudonym Andrzej Boruta. And now, from 52 years later, here is a Polish Christmas carol in a live performance from the end of the year 1999. Since today is the last day of Christmas, it's also the last time until next season that I can justify including Christmas selections. And this performance is a testament to the longevity of Jolski's career. I think it's important that I say a few things about what makes Andrzej Jolski so exceptional as both singer and artist. First of all, he has a superb voice wedded to a fantastic technique. There's a slight burr to the tone, as well as a slightly nasal quality, neither of which I find at all problematic or offensive. They're simply characteristics of his voice. And what a voice it is. He could sing nearly anything, and he was equally celebrated in his native Poland for his assumptions of the standard operatic repertoire, 
for his performance of Art Song, and certainly on an international level, most famous for his creations of 20th century contemporary music. The more I have listened to him this past week, the more I have been taken not just with the sheer power and aptitude of the voice, but with his artistic insight. Even on these examples that I am about to play for you from the standard operatic repertoire, he always has psychological insight into the characters and the music that reveals itself in vocal and artistic touches that are unique to his own artistic personality. We will hear revelations of that superb artistry throughout this episode. And I'd like to play for you, just for starters, some brief excerpts from Hjolski's performances of the standard operatic repertoire. First, here is the conclusion of his recording of Eritu, a recording which I think is from the late 1950s. has all the credentials to have been a great Verdi baritone, but he also was celebrated in the title role of Don Giovanni, and here, in a 1958 recording made in Berlin, is a portion of his luscious De Vieni alla Finestra. Tu
We will explore more of Fiolski's operatic repertoire, Anon, but for the time being, let's just conclude his vocal calling card with Largo al Factotum from Barber of Seville. The ease with which he tosses off those triplets at the end sends me scurrying back to the recording of Riccardo Stracciari for suitable comparisons. This was a recording of operatic arias made and released in the year 1963. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about his history. His father was the chief veterinarian in the city of Lvov and also an avid record collector. Young Andrzej began his singing career in the church choir in Lvov and then entered the music conservatory in that town studying under the mezzo-soprano Helena Oleska. At the time, his intention was also to become a doctor and to enter the medical school in Lvov. However, with the outbreak of the war, his plans changed, and in 1940, after war had broken out, he gave his first radio recital. As the war was beginning to wind down, he escaped Lvov and went to Krakow, and with a letter of recommendation from Helena Oleska, he found himself under the artistic care, if you will, of the Polish bass Adamo Didur. Jolski has stated that he never studied voice under Didur, but nevertheless received a great deal of his practical musical education from Didur, who was one of the leading basses at the Metropolitan Opera in the early 20th century. Didur made a number of recordings, including, in 1928, relatively late for him, a recording of the Paolo Tosti song, Si tu le voulais, which he sings here in Polish. Oh, 
just so happens that from that same rare recording of Neapolitan songs in 1957 that we sampled earlier that I also have Hjolski singing the same song but in French. Let's listen to a tiny portion of that recording. Interestingly, Hjolski's younger brother, Vodjimirsch, was also an opera singer. He lived from 1927 to 2002 and used the stage name Vodimirsch Lvovich, a reference to the city of his birth, to distinguish from his brother. One is reminded here of another pair of gifted musical siblings, the Tisserands, who became much better known under their stage names, each adopted from different regions of France, Geneviève Touraine and Gérard Souzé. His career took place on a much more modest level, but I was able to find a brief example of his singing in a radio recording of one of the most important operas by the so-called father of Polish opera, Stanisław Moniuszko. This is from his opera Straszny Dwór, The Haunted Manor, a 1952 radio recording in which both brothers took part. <laughs> Scroll, 
From approximately the same period, the year 1954, here is Andrzej singing a short excerpt from another Moniuszko opera, the one-act Verbum Nobile. This is the aria of Stanislaus, and Arnold Bresla conducts the Polish Radio Symphony Orchestra. I tak samo serca nasze na rozkazy głuche są, nie zważając na przeszkody, jak potoki stromych skal muszą kochać póki młode was closely associated with the work of Moniuszko over the course of his entire career. Let's just say a word about Moniuszko. He lived from 1819 through 1872. Moniuszko composed two dozen operas and more than 300 solo songs, many of which have a so-called national character, using dance rhythms and also texts written by famous Polish poets. Surely his best-remembered operas today are The Haunted Manor, Straszny Dwór, and Halka. The role of Janusz is the baritone part in that opera, and it was in this role that Jolski made his operatic debut in November 1944 in a production directed by Adamo Didur. Halka, which was premiered in 1848, shares certain characteristics with Smetana's opera The Bartered Bride, which premiered 18 years later. And yet Halka is a tragic opera whose plot has more in common with Janacek's Yenufa than with The Bartered Bride. The baritone role in this opera, that of Janusz, is not a very nice person. He's a wealthy landowner prepared to marry Zofia, daughter of an even wealthier landowner. The celebrations are about to begin when suddenly a girl from a mountain village appears on the estate and throws her arms around Janusz, declaring herself as his lost love. This is the hapless Halka, and sadly things do not end well for her. But I have here a recording from 1958 made in Berlin of the first act duet between Janusz and Halka. The soprano here is Alina Bolechowska, a near contemporary of Jolski's who lived from 1924 to 2002. She was a lirico spinto who was also a featured artist at the opera in Warsaw. In the years following her retirement, 
She worked as a voice teacher at the conservatory in Warsaw, and her most famous student is no doubt the Polish contralto Ewa Podlesz. She reveals herself here to be an extraordinarily gifted lirico spinto. Thank you. 
Certainly the work for which Jolski is most renowned are his collaborations with the late Polish composer Krzysztof Penderecki. In the year 1966, he sang in the premiere of Penderecki's St. Luke Passion, an extraordinary work which took the world by storm and established Penderecki the world over as a composer of the first rank. When I did my Passion Week episode last year, I featured Andrzej Cholski in an excerpt from this piece. At the time, I did not realize that in the mid-60s, there were two different recordings of this piece. So on that occasion, I played a recording that was made in Cologne with the performing forces of the world premiere. At the exact same time, a recording with Polish forces, both of which recordings featured the conductor Henryk Cicz and soloists Stefania Wojtowicz, Bernard Wadisz, and Andrzej Cholski. But they are, in fact, not the same recording, so this was news to me. And from that second Polish recording, I'm going to offer you an incredibly moving solo for Cholski, singing the words Deus Meus over and over again. This is the My God, My God, Why Hast Thou Forsaken Me portion of the Passion.
Hjolski and Pendretsky continued to collaborate on other work, and Hjolski also sang in the premiere of Pendretsky's Te Deum in the 1980s. But the work for which he is no doubt most famous is Pendretsky's opera The Devils of Loudin, or as it was known in its premiere in the city of Hamburg, Die Teufel von Loudin. This is based on a stage adaptation by the playwright John Whiting of Aldous Huxley's non-fiction novel, The Devils of Loudin, which was in turn translated into German by Erich Fried. This work premiered in 1969 and was also filmed in that same year. Huxley's novel, published in 1952, is an historical narrative relating to events that took place in the small town of Loudun in the early 17th century. A priest named Urbain Grandier was accused of having seduced an entire convent of Ursuline nuns and of being in league with the devil. As depicted by Huxley and by Penderecki, Grandier is indeed a priest who often gives in to the temptations of the flesh, and it was because of this vulnerability that he opened himself up to the accusations by Sister Jeanne of the Ursuline Order of being in league with the devil. In the premiere of the opera, the role of Sister Jeanne was sung by Tatiana Troianos, and it was a performance that really cemented her standing as an international artist of the highest order. But I propose to you that the role of Urbain Grandier, which was the role portrayed by Andrzej Jolski, is an equally powerful portrayal albeit less of a barnstorming role. The opera has a very cinematic construction, which is interesting because it was turned into a famous Ken Russell film in the year 1971 that starred Vanessa Redgrave and Oliver Reed in the two principal roles. Like Zimmermann's opera Die Soldaten, in Die Teufel von Loudin, scenes often take place simultaneously on a split stage, as if a split screen, and scenes often overlap, which makes for a very fluid construction. The opera continues to be performed. In fact, it was just done last season 
at the Bayerische Staatsoper. The work became known to the general public when it was used in the soundtrack of the movie The Exorcist, and it's certainly known as including some of the most horrifying-sounding music ever written. But my favorite moment from the opera is a very quiet one. It comes in the final act as Grandier is being carted to the place of his execution. Part of his sentence includes having to kneel on the steps of the Ursuline convent and beg forgiveness of the nuns for having seduced them and brought them in league with the devil. But Grandier refuses to sign a statement claiming that this is the case, and in this moment he finally comes face to face with Sister Jeanne for the very first time, and she says to him, I had always heard that you were a man of extraordinary beauty, and now I look at you and I see that this is indeed the case. And Grandier tortured within an inch of his life, his body completely broken, states that he forgives the nuns for having accused him of being their seducer, and says directly to Sister Jeanne, Look upon me, a wreck of a man. Look into my face and learn of that which is called love. den König und die Gerechtigkeit um Verzeihung. Ich bitte, dass ich Deus meus miserern bitte. Bittet die Priorin und die Schwestern hier um Vergebung. Ich habe nichts dergleichen getan. Ich kann nur den Herrgott bitten, ihnen zu vergeben. Die Leute haben immer von eurer Schönheit gesprochen. Nun sehe ich mit eigenen Augen und ich weiß, es ist das an, was ich bin und lerne, was Liebe Certainly, Grandier takes on Christ-like characteristics in, in this operatic depiction. And it's worth noting here that Hjolski was also 
a moving interpreter of the music of Bach. I'm going to play for you now a 1965 recording of the final movement of Ich habe genug, that moving cantata which expresses the desire of release from earthly suffering in death. Ich freue mich auf meinem Tod. Ich time to examine the contribution of Andrzej Hjolski to the world of art song. He was a superb interpreter of German Lieder and left a very moving 1967 recording of Franz Schubert's so-called Schwanengesang. This is one of the very best versions out there, and I'm going to include a performance of the Heine song Das Fischermädchen in which Hjolski is joined by the pianist Jerzy Marczynski. Du schönes Fischermädchen, treibe den Kahn ans Land. Komm zu mir und setze dich nieder, wir kosen Hand in Hand. Komm zu mir und setze dich nieder, wir kosen Hand in Hand, wir kosen Hand in Hand. Leg an mein Herz ein Küppchen und fürchte dich nicht zu sehr. Täglich dem wilden Meer vertraust du dich doch so groß. Täglich dem wilden Meer, täglich dem wilden Meer. Mein Herz gleich ganz dem Meer hat Sturm und Ebb und Flut. Manche schöne Perle in seiner Tiefe ruht, und manche schöne Perle in seiner Tiefe ruht, in seiner Tiefe ruht. 
many of the recordings that I have been playing for you today are extremely rare, and I have been on a bit of a collecting spree for the past year and a half, trying to assemble as much as I could of Yolsky's recorded output. One of the rarest of those recordings is a 10-inch LP that was released in the year 1956 of Fjolski singing songs of Stanislaw Monushko. This is a recording of the song Znashli ten Kraj, or Do You Know the Land, or, as it's known in the original German, Kennst du das Land? The original Goethe text was adapted by one of Poland's leading poets, Adam Mickiewicz. I'm going to play a portion of the song for you, in which Jolski is accompanied by the pianist Sergiusz Nakrizowski. <laughs> From that same year, 1956, Piotrowski and Nad also recorded a number of songs by the most famous of Polish composers, Friedrich Chopin. Most of Chopin's songs are, like many of Moniuszko's, strophic salon songs. But there is one song in particular of Chopin's that is constructed on a grander scale. This is one of his Opus 74 songs set to a poem by another famous and important Polish poet, Zygmunt Krasinski. It's called Melodia. The poem sounds like an evocation of those who worked to reach the promised land, but never were able to actually enter. Under their crosses, cruel weight they stand to see from the mountaintop the promised land. Their eyes shine with transcendent light to see their people descending. They see the regions they will never enter, the horn of plenty they will never taste. And here their bones will lie, unremembered, perhaps forever. Zurgecet vigalis 
strasznych krzyżów żemię a great Polish composer and musician whom you may not have heard of, is Mieczysław Karłowicz, born in 1876 and died in 1909. The reason you may not have heard of Karłowicz is that he died at the age of only 32 in a mountain-climbing accident in the Tatra Mountains, and yet he left behind a beautiful body of work. His music is very much in the late Romantic mode. He's most known for his symphonic work, but he also composed a cache of marvelous, marvelous songs that carry forward the traditions of both Moniuszko and Chopin. A number of years ago in Berlin, I heard the present-day Polish tenor Piotr Bechawa singing a leader recital at the Konzerthaus in the Gendarmenmarkt. The first half was a relatively uninteresting performance of Dichterliebe, but in the second half of the concert, the tenor really sprang to life in his performances of a number of Polish composers, including Karowicz. These are short little bonbons, if you will, and I'm going to offer you three different songs, sung by Andrzej Hjolski in two different recordings. I'm going to ask for a little assistance from my Google Translate buddy in the pronunciation of the titles of these songs. 
This is the first one. Wieczorną ciszę. Or in the silence of the evening. In the silence of the evening I can hear from a distance the softly gurgling rivers. Slow and sleepy in the great abyss the world of my thoughts flow. They sail to the stars shining brightly and in the dark void they perish. In this 1978 recording, Kjolski is once again accompanied by Jerzy Marczewinski. that all three of the Karłowicz songs that we're hearing are composed to texts by the Polish poet Kazimierz Przerwatetmajer, who was an important novelist, poet, and playwright, who lived from 1865 to 1940. His poems have also been set by Karl Szymanowski, a figure I consider to be one of the great compositional giants in 20th century music. We will encounter him in a few minutes at the end of the episode. The next song we are going to hear, again from that 1978 recording with Jolski at Marczwinski, is called Czasem, gdy długo. Sometimes when I dream half asleep for a long time, a wonderful voice appears to me from somewhere, angels singing songs more beautiful than all the songs of the world. I listen to this voice with all of my soul. My heart is torn out from my chest. I'd follow it anywhere, though I don't know if it's love or death that is calling me. Thank you. 
third song of Karlovich that we will hear today comes from a 1981 recording of the music of Mieczysław Karlovich, the first side of which are several songs orchestrated by Richard Bukowski. This song is Mów do mnie jeszcze and is once again an evocation of a specific voice that the poet hears. Speak to me again from a distance. Your voice floats to me on the breeze. Like a flower, I am caressed with every word you speak. These words flowing towards me are like a prayer at my coffin. And even in death, they make my heart tremble. The conductor Marek Trach leads the symphony orchestra of the National Philharmonic Society in Opole. to offer you. This is a work by the composer Tadeusz Szeligowski, of whom I had never heard before. He lived from 1896 to 1963, and his extensive catalog includes orchestral work, chamber pieces, piano music, choral music, both a cappella and on a larger scale, three operas and two ballets, and a small number of songs for voice and piano. I'm going to offer you a performance by Hjolski and Marczynski of Szeligowski's 1949 song entitled Arion, an ancient Greek poet whom these days is primarily remembered for a myth surrounding his kidnapping by pirates and his rescue by dolphins. Szeligowski sets a poem by Alexander Pushkin. This is a poem that the young Pushkin published at the age of 28. Many men on board the boat, some strained the sturdy sail, others set pace with powerful strokes, oars drawing deep. 
In calm control, our wise helmsman lightly steered the laden ship, and I, happy of heart, careless of concern, sang sweetly, when suddenly wild waves stopped our song. All souls were lost. Only I, the singer, was cast onto the beach, and here I dance, sing songs of deliverance, and dry my garments in the sun. This performance by Hjolski and Machwinski formed part of a live telecast, apparently from the early 1980s. that you've had a chance to experience the full range of Fjolski's achievement as artist and singer. Let's return to a few more brief 
excerpts from his operatic recordings. You ask if Hjolski ever sang any Wagner, and indeed, his voice was tailor-made for the role of Wolfram in Tannhäuser, and from that 1963 operatic arias recording, I have here, Oh, du mein holder Abendstern. was also an exceptional interpreter of Russian music. Some of you may remember, in 1976, a recording was made with Marty Talvila in the title role of the original version of Mussorgsky's Boris Godunov. And that recording featured soloists from the Warsaw Opera, including Hjolski in two cameo roles, including the evil Polish Jesuit priest Rangoni. That's readily available, and I encourage you all to look it up. It's an important historical document. And of course, me being the advanced age that I am, I remember quite well when that recording actually first came out. Instead of Boris right now, I'm going to offer you a portion of Onyegin's aria from the end of Act One of Tchaikovsky's Eugene Onyegin. Again, Hjolski handles all of the potential pitfalls of this part with ease, grace, and individuality. <laughs> Oh, 
I have two singers that come to mind. The first, and I think most apt, comparison is with that of the Finnish baritone Jorma Hyrninen, who was equally celebrated for the creation of new work, for his performance of German art song, and of the songs of his native country, Finland, as well as for his assumptions of the traditional operatic repertoire including Onegin, Wolfram, and other Wagner parts, as well as Verdi roles. He, too, has a near-perfect technique, has sung well into old age, and has a similar, forgive the use of the term, masculine timbre that nevertheless is capable of the most profound nuance. Interestingly, another singer to whom Hjolski has been compared in his native Poland is the Russian baritone Dmitri, Dmitri Chorostowski. I guess I can understand the comparison. In an obituary of Chorostowski published in the Polish press at the time of his death, they said that Poland itself had its own counterpart to this charismatic singer with the looks of a matinee idol. In that article, they said, we had him right here in Poland, Andrzej Hjolski. Only he was more than content simply to conquer Poland. But I think, if the times had been different, that certainly in terms of sheer talent, he had what it took to be a world star. But I found a quote from him in which he stated in a rare interview that his singing formed part of his experience of the fullness of life, that he sang for joy, and that his existence was not predicated on his career success. Certainly, one of his most important roles was that of Gérard in Giordano's masterpiece, Andrea Chénier. Yes, I called it a masterpiece. I love the piece. I think Giordano is a real master. And remember that we hear an excerpt every week on Counter Melody this season at the top of each and every episode from his opera Madame Saint-Gene, his other opera with the theme of the French Revolution. Anyway, let's hear the climactic moments from Nemico della Patria, shall we? This is again a recording from Piolski's 1963 operatic recital. <laughs> 
was delighted to discover in the past couple days a live recording of Fjolski on the stage of the Warsaw State Opera House performing the role of Rodrigo in Don Carlo in Polish. This is Fjolski's live and in-person performance of Rodrigo's death scene. episode draws to a close, I want to offer just two further examples of Fjolski singing the music of contemporary Polish composers. First, a work by Augustin Bloch, who lived from 1929 to 2006. He was a composer and organist who studied under Tadeusz Szeligowski, whose Arion we heard a few minutes ago. He was also married to the Polish soprano Halina Wukomska, whom you may have heard of through her work with Pierre Boulez and other important quote-unquote Western musicians. This is a recording of a work that was composed specifically for Andrzej Hjolski, the so-called Wordsworth Songs. I unfortunately was not able to find a copy of the Polish translation of these, but I can tell you that the texts do come from Wordsworth's Intimations of Immortality. Each of the songs is introduced by a huge wall of orchestral sound, yet the songs themselves are very intimate in nature. As far as I can tell, this is a recording of the 1976 premiere of the piece, in which the Polish Chamber Orchestra is led by Jerzy Maksimiuk. Oh, 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 
played excerpts from Tadeusz Baird's beautiful cycle of sonnets set to poems of William Shakespeare. Just a few short weeks ago, in fact, on the first of my Orchestra Leader episodes. This is the third sonnet of four, and it is a work that Jolski performed throughout his life. This is a recording from 1978 in which Jan Krentz leads the Polish Radio Symphony Orchestra in Krakow. Rather than give you my horrible reading of the poem, how about I present to you instead the great John Gilgood in a 1961 recording of that very sonnet. Sweet love, renew thy force. Be it not said thy edge should blunter be than appetite, which but today by feeding is allayed, tomorrow sharpened in his former might. So love be thou, although today thou fill thy hungry eyes even till they wink with fullness, tomorrow see again, and do not kill the spirit of love with a perpetual dullness. Let this sad interim like the ocean be which parts the shore, where two contracted new come daily to the banks, that when they see return of love, more blessed may be the view. Or call it winter, which, being full of care, makes summer's welcome thrice more wished, more rare.
Perhaps Hjolski's towering achievement on the operatic stage was his assumption of the title role in Karol Szymanowski's unparalleled opera Król Roger, or King Roger. Though Poland these days is not at all known for its embracing of homosexuality and gay rights, Szymanowski's opera, nonetheless, is a joyous embracing of hedonism as represented by Dionysus. The opera takes place in 12th century Sicily, and the historic King Roger encounters a shepherd during mass at the Palermo Cathedral. The shepherd is denounced as a heretic, and yet Roger is drawn to the young man, and in the second act they appear together, and though Roger attempts to capture him, the shepherd easily breaks free, and the entire populace is seduced by his ecstatic and, in fact, Dionysian message. For in the third act, he is, in fact, transformed into Dionysus, and at the very end of the opera, finally, Roger is able to let go of the repression that binds him and to fully embrace the arrival of the morning sun. Szymanowski himself was a gay man who often struggled to come to terms with his sexuality. So for him to compose a work which is so embracing of the hedonistic joy of life, as represented by the mysterious, exotic, and beguiling shepherd, makes for an exceptionally gay, positive work. These are the concluding moments of this extraordinary opera, which I cannot recommend highly enough, especially in the 1965 recording that Hjolski and his colleagues at the Warsaw State Opera made under the baton of the conductor Mieczysław Mieczyszewski.
Thank you for joining me today. It's one of my primary goals in this podcast to bring to you singers that you may not have heard of before. And I cannot think of a singer more deserving of being wholeheartedly embraced than Andrzej Jolski. I hope that you have enjoyed my effusions and even more his glorious singing and artistry. I'd like to conclude the episode with a live performance from the very end of Hjolski's life. I bring you a live recording of him at the age of 76 in a live leader concert in Krakow, performing with the pianist Helena Kristenko. This is Liebst du im Schönheit from Mahler's Rückert Lieder. If you love for youth, don't love me. Love the spring which is young every year. But if you love for love, then love me. Yes, love me always. And I shall love you evermore. Daniel Kuntlach. 